0: You're listening to the Heart and Soul podcast with Katherine Banko. I'm on a mission to celebrate breakthrough, empowerment, and shameless living in the lives of women everywhere. Join me and let's live unashamed together. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Heart and Soul. Today, I am joined by Liz- Lizzie Can Grow. Sorry, I butchered that. Lizzie Can Grow, um, who is a nutritionist and wellness coach and author, and she has a passion for just like helping women. Um, I like what it says on your website, like silence their mean girl, inner mean girl, which we all kind of have one. Um, And she's very um, anti-diet and she just has like a long history and story with struggling with body image and overcoming and healing every day. So I'm really excited for you to share your story with our listeners and um, just hear more about who you are. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for that lovely introduction.
0: Yes. And Lizzie has... A really cool accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, like I, I, I I've been told actually by people back in the UK that my accent has slowly got more American, but I can't tell. So I appreciate like you saying that my accent still sounds very like distinct.
0: <laughs> How long have you been in the US?
1: Um, so I moved over probably about three and a half years ago. Um, And I got my green card this year, beginning of this year.
0: Oh, nice. And what, like, what made you move across the pond?
1: Well, originally I came over um, and did an internship um, as an athletic dietitian um, with UCLA. And during that internship, I actually met my now husband.
0: Um,
1: So originally I came over for work and I... um, I' here for a lot more than that now, um, which is pretty cool. So yeah.
0: that sounds that sounds like the storyline for like a new romantic comedy, you know, like comes over to have a job and falls in love with her prince and stays and yada yada yada.
1: Maybe it's my next book. Yeah, maybe,
0: <laughs> which we definitely want to get into your book because that is so cool being an author, but, Um, Before we dive deeper into things, why don't you just let the listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll dive in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am a nutritionist, um, wellness coach, and author, and essentially my passion is really in helping women to silence that inner mean girl that you were speaking about and confidently step into the body that they love on their terms. So um really like my passion comes from my own journey um i had a 10 year eating disorder as a teenager um and through that i really um discovered a purpose in helping women um with their physical behaviors in terms of their approach to their bodies but then um i also realized that i still had a lot of um uh, self abusive behaviors in terms of my thoughts Um, and my identity. So um, kind of, I went through sort of like two stages of personal development, um, both in terms of like how I physically treated myself and then how I treated myself emotionally and kind of um, psychologically. And so um, through that, I really discovered the tools that Um, I'm so passionate about now sharing with other women to really help them truly embody that sense of having love for our bodies in a way that works for us. And it's not necessarily like a prescription um, that I think a lot of, um, I don't know, like there's just a lot out there in terms of what we should be doing um, in order to like love our bodies. Um, but I'm very big on having like this personalized, um, approach where we kind of like look inwards. So, yeah. Well, I mean,
0: that's so cool because it is everyone's struggle with body image. Although most women do battle with it, it is so personal and there's like different, everyone has a different reason or a different route to why it started or how it started or how they fight it or what works for them. And, I always tell people like, you know, physically when I was in my eating disorder, I was obviously it was obviously a physical disorder, but more than anything, it was mental. Like it is so much of your psyche and it's, it's like mental health gone wrong, you know? And so it is really cool that you personalize it. And I was actually listening to a podcast this week. And one of the things that they said, it was like a relationship podcast, but one of the things that they said, which I never had like put it in these words, um, but I think this way a lot is they said, nobody talks to yourself more than you. So mm-hmm. nobody lies to you more than you. Ooh. In that like you kind of start to, you can convince yourself of lies or untruths about yourself that you kind of start to live into and act into and it's because you have this like, I mean, especially as women, we have this constant like loop in our head of thoughts. And so to really have the tools to rewrite those thoughts as they come and battle them, like there on the spot is what we need because they're going to keep coming up. It's just how can we like dodge them and know what's true and what's not like be able to decipher okay, this is a lie. Bye-bye. How can I fight this kind of thing?
1: Absolutely. And I think like, that's a really important point that you've just made is that, you know, we can be in the work and be growing and kind of moving through some of the challenges that we've faced, but we all have that in a critic that in a mean girl that's going to come up because she is there to protect us. Um, she may suck, It might not seem like a really, um, you know, um, a helpful thing. But in essence, she's actually there to kind of like keep us safe. And so she comes in when there's a situation that feels different to our predictable stories. And she kind of like tries to pull us back into our old identity and our old thoughts. And so, you know, when something comes up for us that is new, or that feels unsafe, um, to our subconscious, she'll get triggered. And so it's not a matter of necessarily like getting rid of her completely because she is helpful. It's just a matter of learning the tools so that we can move through that experience with more ease and less of that painful, um, you know, self-criticism, um, and self-doubt that a lot of this experience.
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it because, I don't I think that I usually am like not thinking that those thoughts are trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. I'm always just thinking like ah, I suck again. And it, it kind of like becomes this shame spiral where you eventually feel shame for the thoughts that you're thinking, and then there's more <laughs> shame surrounded around that. And then it's like shame on shame on shame instead of being like, okay you were doing your best now let's like rewrite this
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and i am definitely somebody who relates to that i feel like the i think um when we have that like awareness of unhelpful thoughts but it does feel hard to kind of like change them and they do come up it's very easy to kind of criticize ourselves um, for those thoughts coming up, because, yeah. Oh, we th- we should know better. Like we do know about this, and that's when we start like really shooting ourselves and going into that shame shame spiral that you're talking about. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh God, I hate that spiral. Um. Okay, I want to hear if you're willing to share like more about your kind of battle with your body during, especially during high school, like as a young woman, like. Where, how did that start? And then like, when did you start your healing process and what kind of triggered you being like, I need to, I need to walk like into freedom.
1: Yeah. So, um, I talk about it like in a lot more detail in my book, but essentially, um, it all started when my um, granddad died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, and a couple of days before I had baked him his favorite cake. um, as a way of helping him feel better during chemotherapy so he had um lung cancer and he was going through chemo and he was feeling really rough and I wanted to show him a way of you know just just some love so I baked him this cake and then a couple of days later um he died suddenly and in my huge naivety as a 14 year old, I thought somehow this cake had contributed to him dying. Mm. Uh, Because at school at that time, we were talking all about healthy eating. And I kind of had this awareness of um, cake being something that wasn't healthy. Um, And I'm gonna say that in inverted commas as well, because as you and I know, there are no good or bad foods. But in my head, in that moment, I kind of like labeled cake as bad. And so I didn't, obviously, I didn't want this to happen again. And I started to research um, in magazines, there wasn't social media at the time, but like magazines, how to eat healthily. And the more I read into it, the more I didn't trust myself with my food. And the more obsessed I got with um, eating the good foods, again, in inverted commas, um, and avoiding the bad. and. Um, I also was really into running. I was good at it and I enjoyed it, but because I wasn't fueling my body correctly, I got skinnier and skinnier. Um, but again, like this was at a time when being thin was in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got praised by the girls at school for getting skinny and the boys were like, Oh, you're really great at running. So I was being like, had all of this external um, reinforcement that what I was doing was, you know, good. And I was getting attention and this, that, and the other. But in fact, um, my parents started to notice this and they um, took me to the doctors. And it turned out that I had like a pulses. of was 30 beats per minute. I was like 80 pounds um nine kilos i was so and and i didn't even like realize it i was just in the depths of my eating disorder um and in that moment when the doctors couldn't even take my blood because my veins were so um constricted um that's when i had this mo like kick in the face it was like okay something's up and i need a change um But it didn't kind of really, (laughs) it didn't really get better, like all of a sudden, um, because having awareness is great, but then you've got to actually take action. Um, And that's when the psychology kind of came in. And I really battled with that for years and years and years. Um, And even after I had really recovered from kind of the disordered behaviors around food, as I say, like I still had a lot of self-loathing um and it really wasn't until covid and i was running with my um boyfriend now husband that um i had another kind of like one of those moments where i had you know i had to change and i had to really look at how i was treating myself um and i again like i talk about that a little bit more in reclaim the rebel um so yeah it it's <laughs> if Anyone walks away with anything from this podcast or me, it's like it's a journey. Like it's not linear. Like it's yeah, not, it's like a one and done thing. So yeah,
0: it really is. I mean, it is. I always tell people like you don't just wake up one day healed. It's like a constant daily choice to fight the inner critic to make certain decisions around your body um, to remove and like unlearn lies and rewrite the narrative really it's daily and the second you kind of stop battling it'll creep back in um, because that inner mean girl is just trying to protect you in some way I also find it like I think that it's not discussed enough because not every disordered eating case um, ends up how yours did where it was like a life or death situation, you know, sometimes physically you might be fine or at least seemingly fine on the outside, look seemingly healthy. Um, And I think it's really good for you to be able to address like, no, like this actually can kill you, you know, like you trying to fit a certain societal standard or, trying to, like leaning into this pressure could actually like stop your heart. And like, that's a reality that you need to know if you do, if you are like actively living in disordered eating or overexercising or orthorexia or literally anything surrounded around your body. I mean, our bodies are machines. And if we're not fueling them correctly or appropriately for the season that we're in, then they'll eventually shut down. And that's like a reality that I think we kind of dance around. But I mean, you lived it. You went to the doctor and the doctor was like, your pulse is so low. And like, if we don't snap out of this, then you could die.
1: Yeah. And I I got told that like I, and it was so ironic because my granddad died from a heart attack. Right. And then like a year and a half later, I was being told you could die of a heart attack. And so that actually put me in a lot of fear.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and kind of swung me in an opposite direction in terms of exercise for a very long time. Um, so even when my body had kind of recovered, I got major anxiety when I did any form of movement Um. Mm. And so I kind of had this really um, interesting journey where I was kind of swinging from like over-exercising to not doing it at all, because I was worried that my body wasn't strong enough. Mm. Um, And I think like, I I, I didn't find that balance of, you know, moving in a way that kind of like really nurtured my body. For a while out of two opposite fears. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting psychology because I think, yes, this is a very, um, we can put our bodies in a very dangerous position if we overdo it. Um, but we've also kind of got that, um, uh, place of realizing that our bodies are also really incredible and can heal. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, Um, actually got diagnosed at the age of 22 with um, osteoporosis, um, which is weak bones. And it's normally associated with like the menopause um, and kind of older women, because gradually as we get older, our bones do get weaker. But this was accelerated in my case because I wasn't getting enough um, calcium and adequate nutrition to make my bones strong. So, um, I got told at that point, like, you can't heal osteoporosis, you can mm. just manage it. But um, I didn't really identify, this is where kind of identities and stories come in. I didn't accept that story, and I didn't identify as somebody who was old and, well, older and um, had like a bone condition. So, I that was another moment where I was like, okay, I really need to look after myself. And I started, that's when I actually um, retrained as a nutritionist. I was a teacher at the time, Um, but I retrained as a nutritionist and I started learning, you know, how to safely lift weights so that I could build up bone density and, um, you know, improve the health of my muscles. And Um, as my last bone scan I actually went from having osteoporosis in my lower back to having osteopenia which is a less severe form of osteoporosis so my point here is that your body can heal yeah um, and it really is incredible how you can kind of um, recover even if you are in the depths um, of something as serious as a full-blown eating disorder but we also you know it's better to prevent that than to cure it
0: right and that I, that word identity is so important because because how you think really does matter and can like your thoughts really can physically change you and so you believing like I'm not going to live into that narrative I am a I'm a healer I'm this instead of like oh I'm broken can really actually shift you in a physical way towards health like my husband and I kind of always say this about our, like our future children. Like we don't want to put the label of, on them of like, like, like I struggle with anxiety and for me to say like, I'm anxious, that's just who I am is true. But it's also like, I, I then I step into this label of like, all I am is anxious. So when I react to a situation, it's usually in an anxiety because that's how I think of, that's who I think I am instead of being like I struggle with anxiety but I am not anxious you know then I kind of live into more strength live into more like um I'm fear more fearless and we want to speak that like over our children you know like you are not it there's just so many labels you can put on yourself that can really redefine who you think you are instead of saying like the truth of who you are out loud and letting that be your identity. Um, And it is a psyche thing. Like our minds are powerful and like how we instruct them or how we like, I guess, um, nurture them. That's the perfect word that you used earlier, how we nurture them like really does matter. And it, can It will physically affect us in either a positive or negative way.
1: Yeah, a 100%. And that reminds me of my favorite um, quote um, by Florence Scoville Shin, and it's, your word is your wand. Mm. And I think that just kind of like really, That's good. it just hits to the heart of how powerful your thoughts are in creating your reality. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, whenever clients come to me now, they come because they want to feel physically better, but we actually do a lot of work on, you know, feeling better with our words and with our identity. And I love what you said about sort of like how you, once you kind of like identify yourself as, Um, a particular, I don't know, like an an emotion, um, that's kind of maybe miscreating because we're not our emotions, we're the experiencer of our emotions. Mm. So like being able to separate that um, and separate ourselves from, um, also from our thoughts, we're not our thoughts, we're just the thinker of our thoughts, Um, that can be really empowering, because that takes that gives us the choice Mm -hmm. over how we feel and how we think as opposed to being kind of um, victim to um, our emotions or our thoughts and that's how for a long time I felt like a victim and that took me a while to actually admit because no one likes to you know be a victim Um, but I was I was like I was of sitting in this victim mentality of oh like why do I feel like this and um, yeah it yeah so that was it's, a really helpful like perspective shift
0: I just uh, if you hear scribbles in, through the microphone because <laughs> I'm taking notes <laughs> like actual pencil to paper um, yeah that's so good and I like I feel like we could talk about this thought process and like rewriting narratives and all that all day, but I do want to give you a chance to like talk about your book because I, I mean, I heard you earlier say it was during COVID when you had this idea. So this is recent for you. Like you went from this, I mean, 2020 was when COVID started. That's two years ago. I mean, that a lot can happen in two years. So can you kind of like explain the format of your book and then also like how you, why you decided like, this is the topic I'm going to dive into.
1: Yeah. So the book's called Reclaim the Rebel, um, 12 rebellious acts to achieve unconditional love for your body. Um, and essentially it's struck, it's a short read. Um, and I wanted to create something that was very easy to read, very um, practical with tools that you could implement to achieve that unconditional love for your body. Um, because, because I'm dyslexic I find it very difficult to like sit down and read a book so it's it's short but it's impactful and it's got exercises that you can work through at your own pace that I have personally implemented to feel better in my body so for example there's one chapter one rebellious act is about rewriting your story Hmm. another one is about your identity um Another is about trusting your body with food. Um, so they're all kind of like related to either your nutrition, your movement, or your mindset. Um, and really, the idea for Reclaim the Rebel came from just a realization that I have been on this journey and um, it's my responsibility to share what's worked for me um, and share it in an authentic, vulnerable way. So um, it's really for any women who wants to just feel more at peace, more confident um, and just more comfortable in their own body and do it again from a place of what feels good for them. Yeah. The external, like what we should be putting in our body, what we should be telling ourselves.
0: Yeah. And I actually love that it's short because Sometimes it's a little more easy to digest, like I can step into healing, like healing is possible. If you're like, okay, if I follow these, and and this is like also probably my anxiety creeping in, but, and just like me being a control freak, but I can do 12 steps, you know, like that seems attainable. Like I can go through 12 steps and not that it's a checklist or anything, but it's almost more graspable. I don't know if that's a word able to be grasped because it's laid out for you in just like a very like concrete mad manner. Um, so I think that's awesome. I, I did like a sh- coaching program last or during COVID. I think it was last year. Yeah. Last year. I mean, we've been in COVID for forever now. Um, <laughs> it was <like>
1: rat-
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. A virtual coaching program and it was only four sessions. Um, and each session was kind of like that, where like you t- you cover a specific topic and it's mind, body and soul, which we both know because we've been through it. But I love that you you uh, attack very specific topics that are all encompassing, but all come together for like the same purpose of freedom.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like it's really easy to get into overwhelm about this. And you've probably found this as well with your and with your clients is that you know if we do break things down into manageable chunks it's far more sustainable to actually um follow through with the exercises that we're suggesting and we're yeah um because again like I didn't want this to be another thing that women read and then they go, okay, this isn't going to work for me. And I failed again. And then myself over the head with a book and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's about creating wins that you can kind of like see appearing very quickly. Um, Yeah. It's not going to completely, you know, transform your whole life, but it, it has the power to, um, but it's, it, again, it's a process. So I want to give that possibility of, yeah, you can make quick changes like I did. Like it, some of these experiences that I talk about in the book happened during COVID. And I've really changed how I perceive things in a very short space of time. So I want that possibility. But I also want the space, the self-compassion that, you know, this can be a practice. And I don't have to get it perfect all the time.
0: Totally. And I mean, just speaking, I like to run too. So like speaking in like runner terms, like you don't get from mile one to mile 13.1 on day one of training, you have to train and take the steps and start with the short runs, then eventually evolve into longer and then longer and then taper back. And so it's really going like through those steps and back without like rushing, like I need to be healed today. Because like we said earlier, it's a daily choice, so it's nice to have the tools in your tool toolbox to be like, okay, I'm struggling with this today. How can I fight that? Like, here's this tool. Let me pull it out of the box. Um, exactly. I love it. I think that's amazing. I have like, I want to buy the book now. Um, <laughs> is it already out or? It is. Yeah.
1: So it's available on Amazon, um, as an ebook or paperback.
0: So yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well then listeners, I'm going to put that link for the Amazon book in the show notes so that you can like easily access that. Um, and I'm so, I'm going to do it too. (laughs) Um, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I have, we're running out of time, like on my cheap zoom thing. So I have four questions that I ask every guest before, um, the podcast. ends. so I want to ask those to you before, um, we run out of time. So my first question is what is something that you're currently obsessed with right now? Literally can be anything like a food, a TV show, a podcast, a book,
1: okay, this is really silly, but I'm obsessed with making my own kombucha. It's very LA of me. Um, (laughs) I have my like kombucha, um, scoby and I even named it. She's called Matilda and I (laughs) made my own kombucha (laughs) with Matilda. It's really fun. So yeah, I'm obsessed with that right now.
0: (laughs) That's when, you know, you're obsessed with it. When you name your little machine, my, my husband's like been in this like hard kombucha kick. So like if we go to a brewery, like instead of getting a beer, he'll get like hard kombucha. I'm like, you're so LA.
1: But it's delicious. So it is delicious. It is really
0: good. Um okay, my second question is what's something you're really looking forward to in the rest of twenty twenty two?
1: Oh, this is easy. Okay. Um so we um are going on our honeymoon to Disney World in December. Ah! And I'm so excited! That
0: is so exciting. I've always wanted to go to Disney World as an adult with only adults. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want a, the kid aspect. I want to be able to like drink around the world and like not have to wrangle <laughs> children. Um, and that's awesome. Okay, my third question is: What is something that you really love about yourself right now?
1: Oh, I feel like I really appreciate. So I'm actually going to answer that into two aspects because we talked about the physical and we've talked about the kind of the, the mental and the psychological so physically I really like my blue eyes um and emotionally and psychologically I really appreciate my authenticity
0: I can totally see that you are definitely authentic and that is rare um, okay I can't really see your eyes through the zoom, but I'm sure they're beautiful. (laughs) Like the lighting's a little off. I'm sure they're beautiful and blue. Um, Okay. My last question is if you could leave women who are listening with like one little post-it note of truth that they can put on their mirror or put on their computer to give them a little boost of encouragement today, what would that be?
1: I'm smiling so hard right now because um, this links into the authenticity. I uh, am literally looking above my desk and I have a post it note right here. <laughs> so I'm going to share it. And it says on the post it, I am valuable. Oh, and I love that. A powerful affirmation that I've kind of like been saying to myself for the last year or so. Um, and so if a listener out there really resonates with that, then I offer that to you.
0: Yes, you are a valuable, listener. And you are valuable, Lizzie. And if you didn't see this, because it's not video, but she has cute little heart post it notes they're like in the shape of a heart. So I'm going to order those as well. Besides your, your book and heart post-it notes. Um,
1: <laughs> as a teacher, I love stationery. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and thanks for being authentic and being vulnerable with our listeners and listeners. I will put everywhere that you can find Lizzie in the show notes, Instagram, her website, and also her book um, so that you can connect with her. Do you do virtual coaching at all? I do, yeah. Perfect. Virtual, yeah. so even if you're not in LA drinking kombucha near Lizzie you can still work with her virtually so awesome
1: kombucha virtually. <laughs> yeah yeah you can
0: you can make your own kombucha but not with Matilda
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me I really appreciate you
0: yes of course and listeners I will talk to you again next week bye Whoa.